You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Surf Stories, the podcast brought to you by the Florida Surf Film Festival. I'm your host, John Brooks, and with me, as always, is co-host Kevin Miller. Hey, John. How you doing? Not so bad. And you? Not bad. Thank you. Good, good. Yeah, we're stoked to have Chris Burkhardt on the show today. Um, I don't know. Are you really? I mean, I'm still in disbelief that, that he's a photographer. <laughs> I don't know if he could find his way out. Of, I mean, can he really shoot well there? Dude, the guy is... If he's not the top adventure photographer on the planet right now, he's in the top two or three. I mean, it's unbelievable the success story that this guy, the the meteoric rise from, you know, Pismo Beach guy, you know, taking some photos of his friends boogie boarding and surfing and to where he is now. It's just, it's a phenomenal story. I mean, you were just ragging on Pismo Beach last week. <laughs> No, I love Pismo Beach. Okay. It's a great right. place. You said it's, that it would be a terrible idea. It's not a world class surf spot. It's not a world class surf spot, but it's a very cool place. Fair and uh, on its day, has great waves. To be sure. fair, to be fair. But uh, yeah, we're super stoked to have Chris on. Uh, he talks a little bit about some of his prior projects uh, that he's worked on. He was here at the festival in 2014 and taught a photography workshop and uh, showed Cradle of Storms. And um, we also showed Under an Arctic Sky, and then we just wrapped up with Arc of Volusia uh, last weekend. Yeah, Rourke, um, you know, sort of commissioned that project uh, to tell a story using Chris's talents and Ben Wyland's talents, who works with Chris a lot, 
it was uh, teamwork that we've seen before, but never in 4K. We had a 4K projector installed on Thursday night, nothing like the last minute. Yeah, yeah, that was good times, running all that new cable and stuff. But it really did make a difference. Chris's film looked beautiful in 4K. And, uh, yeah, we are thrilled that he took uh, an hour out of his time to sit down and have a chat with us. So sit back and enjoy a nice chat with Chris Burkhardt. Our goal is just to try to capture some of those. So if you could just start when you were born and bring us up to the present, um, that I think that's probably a pretty good story. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I wish we had time for that one. But it's, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's funny. Like, I feel like I came into photography much like anybody else did. You know, I mean, it's it's, you know, I guess in some way I've just had more time to really articulate it because I've been asked that question so many times. And you know, I grew up in a, you know, small town in California and I didn't have, uh, you know, a, a real like father figure in my life. So I think my group of friends, my friend group was like my support group, right? They were like right. the people I look to, I look to kind of like, you know, impress and, and yada, 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 you know, and I wanted to like make them, you know, think I was cool. So it was kind of like my, my group of like wily boogie boarders and surfers I grew up with. I was kind of like a gang mentality and, you know, my place as the documentarian within that, it really fit a void in my life that I was missing. I didn't have, you know, again, like that fully complete family unit um, until my mom um, got married when I was 12. And, um, and so that kind of was a critical time, you know, that those like 10 to like, you know, 12, 13 years old and then into high school, you know, it, it, uh, it really, it really found its place. And so in some way, I think that um, photography has always kind of been like a way of connecting me with, with um, people and ideas and places and, and locations. And it's, it's never really been something where I picked up the camera thinking it was going to just be like a tool to make money, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, and I think it's kind of awesome because nowadays it's morphed like cameras are great. Photography is awesome, but there's so many other mediums to tell stories and there's so many other mediums you know, just like what you guys are doing. Like there's so many other mediums outside of your day jobs to connect with people and to share like rad intimate ideas and to kind of get people passionate about things. So um, I think in my mind, like that's kind of the, that's kind of where it's brought me to. And um, I have a, you know, my mom who didn't, hasn't traveled much and hasn't really been anywhere. The ability for me to come back from travels and share images with her, these meaningful places that were so significant and, and kind of bring that to her was like really important. And it's what's odd is nowadays there's not much difference between being able to share those experiences on social media with millions of people or with, you know, people at a film festival or something like that. So it's all about that connectivity still. Nice. Do you, hey, Chris, how do you find yourself in like social situations? Do you, do you like being in them or are you kind of introverted and would, I mean, you speak great in front of people, obviously you've done that here, but um and you're really good on the stage, Ted, you know, like the Ted talk. And I, I honestly, you know, I would imagine you're good in crowds, but there's always the this artist sort of complexity that sort of comes along with being an artist. And, uh, you know, uh, you know I, I, I'm just wondering how how do you feel about dealing with, I don't know, people at parties and things like that, just shooting the shit? You know, it's so funny because um, it's a learned trait, right? It's a learned skill. Like I don't, I don't naturally come into um, this idea of like wanting to be the center of attention. 
to be honest. Like I, I, I really like the work to speak for itself. I, I try to celebrate nature. Like I feel cringy anytime I'm in front of the camera. Um, mm-hmm. But I've had to come to terms with the fact that like, if I have a mission statement, if I have a message, if I have something I want to share, the best way to do so is sometimes to be willing to share it with my own words. And, to sh- and I think what I, I had to come to the conclusion that like, you know, the camera for as cr- incredible as it is, it's just a filter for which you, you've kind of filter the world around you. I don't want, I don't want people to say, oh, well, a photograph is worth a thousand words. I want them to know exactly what I felt, exactly what my emotions were, exactly what I was going through in that moment. And that's, that's really where I think the artist, when the artist speaks, like, you know, you want people to be willing to listen. And so I think that I've had to work on my voice. I've had to work on my interpretation of my art. I've had to work on my interpretation of the world um, to be somebody who people literally just care about listening to. And so I think that has been, um, it's been a skill set that I've had to work like a muscle, like anything else. It doesn't come naturally at all. Um, (laughs) And I think if anything, I just, I think of it as another arrow in the quiver of, of ways in which I can interpret the beauty of this world and ways in which I can interpret stories. And, um, and also too, just like directing or writing a book or filmmaking or whatever that is, you know, photography and speaking um, are, are two of those skill sets. And I'm sure, you know, as you guys kind of, you guys get it, you guys have had to probably work on those as well, you know, coming into this festival thing also. So. Well, yeah. And just to follow up on that. Um, it's not very often you find having been at ACA Atlantic center for the arts now for 10 years and watching, um, all of the master artists and, and the early and mid career people come through here and see uh, their skill set. It's not often that they can cross streams or whatever you want to call it and, and enter the public domain in such a graceful way that um, has obviously, I think, benefited the way you communicate with you know people and, and share with with people the beauty of the world, like as you say. It's just a rare thing. And, and if anything, talking to you, it's basically the, the elephant in the room is like, how the hell does a, you know, a surf videographer, surf photographer come into um, the, uh, I don't know, the public world of art, which is what you have done now <laughs> and, and do that successfully. I mean, it doesn't happen very often. So it's wonderful to see. And I, you know, every time I flip over to National Geographic and I see photo by Chris Burkhardt or something. There's a little part of me that's like, hell yeah, that's great to see. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, um, I think that it's interesting because I don't think I started my career with the hopes of being a surf photographer. I think that I started my career with a passion and a love for landscapes because that's what I knew. And that's what kind of inspired me personally to get outside and to go see the world. And I think what happened was, um, I, uh, I realized really quickly that landscape photography was not going to pay the bills. Just the, 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 the financial aspect of it just wasn't there. Like if I was looking at this in a career path, it just wasn't realistic. I, I looked up to like, you know, some of my mentors and I looked at what they were doing and I was like, wow, like, you know, this guy's got a gallery or this guy's printing like some of the most beautiful images I've ever seen. And, and just realizing like, dude, that's not accessible to me right now in my career. What was accessible to me was, you know, was, I can't afford the best equipment. <clears throat> I can't afford to travel to the best places. I can't afford to like open a gallery or sell my work. So what can I do? Well, I can compensate for shitty equipment and a lack of support 
you know, financially by just being the person who's willing to grind harder, being the person who's like ignorant enough and, and thick headed enough to like, you know, to like be at the beach before sunrise and see who's out and like chase down, you know, so-and-so surfer or so-and-so talent and just like be on it. Like that, that's kind of the, like, that was the sort of the approach that I could take. Um, and that's kind of what I did, like with mediocre equipment in the beginning of my career, I literally, um, I took financial aid money that I was supposed to put into junior college, uh-huh. use that money. I used that. I just like, I fulfilled the, the, the minimum require of credits to, to get that financial aid because I came from a low income home and I was, I'm Hispanic and et cetera, et cetera. And I use that money to buy cameras. And I, I, I'm sure that's a terrible piece of advice for anybody to follow, but <laughs> that's it, epic. It, it, yeah, it was the impetus of my career. And I had like the most basic camera gear you could see, like Canon 20D. And, you know, I shot film before that and I had like a kit lens and I just, I just knew that I had to make up and compensate for that lack of gear with, uh, with the ability to just grind a little harder. And that's kind of like what I had to do, I guess. I, I think that's fantastic life advice right there. And, uh, and just to go back and uh, touch a little bit on what you were saying before about, uh, you know, having your photograph displayed and then giving your verbal explanation on that. Um, I can remember when you were here in uh, 2014 uh, showing Cradle of Storms and we, we did the, the slideshow and you live narrated the slideshow afterwards. And like, I had a lot of people comment to us afterwards that as stunning as the photography was your explanation along with it just made it into like a whole nother level of artistic expression and they they very much appreciated it so oh that's stoked man i mean that's that's everything that's honestly like that's the you know that's the thing that you you hope for the most is that you elevate something like that you know you kind of elevate the film or the photography by adding your voice to it as opposed to like you know, telling people how to feel or telling people what, what to look at, you know, you kind of just want to like give your, your imprint, your thumbprint into that experience artistically. And it's a, sure. it's a good one. Yeah. yeah. I think that that turns a photograph into a story or an event. Yeah. It was, yeah. if you rehearsed that slideshow, Chris, did you rehearse it or was that oh, one of those gifts that you're talking I mean, about? I, I definitely, um, <laughs> I definitely, definitely have, um, have had done that multiple times. And okay. so I was pretty familiar with it. And I, I had it kind of like, I had it kind of worked out all the kinks, but, but that's sort of it. Like I, I get stoked on that. I get stoked on the idea that, that I could like, you know, rehearse a bit much like a, a comedian or much like a um, much like an artist who like wants to kind of like share a piece of themselves. You know what I mean? That, that gets me equally as super stoked, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's the work ethic and the, I don't know. It's kind of like good writers, I've always uh, said, you know, they, they didn't have a choice. It's just what they do. They, they had to write to stay alive, basically. I'm starting to think I should rehearse my uh, introductions at the film festival. <laughs> <laughs> no, no way, Ben. I like them. There's well, a place for that. Kind of one of those, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, it's fun to, it's fun to like dial things in and then like have it, you know, where you can, um, I guess, input uh, part of yourself into it, into that story, into that thought process and just, yeah, make it a little more cohesive, make it a little more, I mean, that gets me like super excited. Like, I love the idea of like, um, of having that form of artistic expression just be another, another piece of the puzzle, I guess you would say. Nice, nice.
Well, yeah, um, as we were saying before, we uh, we fired up the uh, film festival again a couple weeks ago and we showed uh, your newest movie, Arc of Alusha, that you just did with Rourke. And, yeah. Uh, it was yeah. just a beautiful I'm so film. I wasn't there. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. We would have loved to have you here, but we, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get you out here again sometime, but um, two, two things. One, first off is we, we had just literally the day before we showed the movie, we got a brand new 4k projector and what, and that made such a difference and seeing like the opening shot of the movie where you're bank, the plane's banking and you're looking down at the snowy volcano. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that was fun. phenomenal. And then what's interesting is that was actually shot on a previous trip um, that we, that me and Ben did out there. We did this, uh, this aerial survey of the Alaska wildlife refuge, which is that area. Wow. Um, or I think it was a internet, like a conservation international. Um, and so anyway, that was from that trip and it was a rad, it was a rad experience. So Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. Um, I was trying to think, I had two things that I was going to say there. Um, but I think just going back to um, that film, to Ark of Alusia, um, when you are putting together a trip like that, like, I'm curious to know, like, what's the, what's the crew that you put together? Um, is it just you? Is it, I, I know Ben works with you a lot. I think he worked with you on that film, but like, just give us a little background idea on what, what's the crew you're taking with you on a trip like that. That's a good question. You know, I think a big part of it comes down to like, what's, I have to work backwards, right? Like I have, anytime, anytime I'm like figuring out a crew to go, um, I really have to, to operate in the sense of like, okay, what's my objective here? Am I working on a personal project? Am I working on a project for the magazine? Is this branded content? So that film was for Rourke um, and they hit me up to, to make a film for them. And so I was beholden to kind of their athletes, which is great because they have great athletes and great people. Sure. And so I took, you know, we, we just, we made a call and we decided to take these guys and it was a, it was a, you know, rad opportunity because Harrison Roach had just kind of joined their team. Yep. Um, you know, uh, that was sort of, uh, that was sort of the, 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 the approach we took and we just, we ran with it, you know, like we, we, you know, I think if, um, if I, in some capacity was doing this as a personal project, I might, you know, be, be looking for guys who I'm like, okay, this, I know this person could support me if like you know things go awry and they're really good in cold water and yada 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 you're kind of looking for people who can like be interesting on film like like a Dan Gadowskis or a Dan Malloy or a Keith Malloy or a, you know you usually you want to pair a different set of writers um with a different set of skill sets and etc cetera, etc cetera, right you kind of mix and match right so I love that process it's kind of like oceans 11 you're building your a team and everybody <laughs> has different, they're all quirky and you want that quirkiness you don't want a bunch of regular foots that are that do a good right hand you know hack like that's not what you care about right sure. um so ultimately yeah that's kind of how i build those those groups it's kind of how i uh, mindset i take to it and uh, with this trip you know we, we had a rad crew we went there i had been there before we wanted to tell a bit different story so i took this approach of being like well ben you know, Wyland, who I've worked with many times, he knew the landscape, he knew what we were getting into. It would have been so challenging to work with somebody else there because they wouldn't have known. Um, so to be honest, that was a huge aspect, like a huge support, right? Like Ben is my kind of go-to for any of those situations. Um, and then I'm looking at, okay, what, um, what options do I have for like telling a different story? Well, 
I could tell this from the land, this perspective of who, like one of the characters, the landscape, the local people. So we decided Harrison Roach. That was kind of the approach we wanted to take was like, this is Harrison's perspective. You know, he's from Australia. This is foreign to him. Uh, we worked with a writer named Matt McDonald. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's kind of, a, I don't know, it's kind of one of those things where you just, you, you kind of put it together. I've realized now, um, more so than ever, that the importance of kind of bringing in other creatives to really help tell a good story, like not trying to do it all myself, not trying to like, oh, I'm going to write the story and I'm going to write the, you know, the, the voiceover and I'm, you know, having people who are really good at some of this stuff, do it. And that's kind of the, um, that's kind of like the biggest and most important thing I feel like in some way. Very there's cool. A, there's only so much time in the day as well. At some point, you actually have to trust other folks. And you obviously have a nice little resource pool to go with. And uh, I mean, just the voiceover of the film was sort of mesmerizing or meditative. Uh, yeah, I, I really loved I really loved there's a line in the film that Matt McDonald, the writer, he wrote that I just loved. I mean, Harrison read it, obviously, but it was like um, said something about like I don't know, like I'm blanking on it, but it was something about like the pursuit of uh, kind of, it can seem like a frivolous act, the pursuit of like, of, of uh, struggle amidst the environment, but like what a more pure way of experiencing a place. Like I, I just, something along those lines. And I was like, this is so, this is like so poignant. Like it just felt like a, like a pull quote from a really good book or something. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well done. Well executed all around. And uh, I suppose you've got a few trips to Alaska under your belt now, uh, most mostly to find surf, but uh, others, you know, trips to Iceland. Can you give us a real quick um, take on your trip to Iceland for the volcano and how that unfolded during COVID? Yeah, you know, I was actually there shooting something for Billabong. Um, and I, uh, I, I was there shooting a film and, and doing a catalog. So um, honestly, it was, it was something that happened out of the blue, like no plans, no, I mean, I knew like everybody else that, um, <laughs> that there was the chance that a volcano might erupt, but I mean, let's be real, like nobody's betting their money on that, you know? So I just went there. I, I had like two big projects in the works. I had, um, I had, uh, I had this you know, Billabong shoot. And then I had a big bike expedition going through the interior, this winter bike thing. And it was like, one of them was a film and yeah. And I was shooting. And then one of them I was a part of. And, and then I had like 10 days in between and I had, you know, I was planning on just kind of recuperating, putting in some training miles, et cetera, et cetera. And then all of a sudden it was like, no, there's this volcano is erupting. And I swear to you, it felt like the twilight zone. It was like mm -hmm. the like for the next like seven, eight days, it was the only thing that I did. And it was crazy. Like it was so crazy, like to, to, um, to literally dedicate yourself to something so different, so unique. I had personally never in my mind spent that much time shooting the same thing. And it was so mesmerizing. I mean, I don't know how to put this in words, but honestly, it's like, it was like, it was like something that I had that humans had always experienced. It felt so familiar, if you know what I mean, like sitting there watching this volcano, feeling the heat from it, you know, taking photos of it. It just was so significant in that regard that it felt oddly familiar. And I, I, um, I think what it is, is that there's nothing else in this world that you get to photograph or shoot that you can smell 
taste, hear, feel. Like I know that maybe the ocean or other things, but this was so different. You can like feel the warmth. You can hear it was it was it it, it acknowledges all your senses and it's really cool. When it's so cool too, because yet there's you never know when it's gonna happen. I mean, the ocean, you, you can go down and shoot the ocean every single day if you live near it, you know, but to to be in that place, like you said, like that that's to be in the right time at the right place there, that's that's pretty significant. Yeah, exactly. And that's what was kind of weird. It was as is it was as if Iceland was like um it was as if Iceland was like, okay, you've been here 43 times. Here you go. Here's a little thank you. Oh, that's oh, epic. That's 40, epic. Is it really 43 times or is that a little hyperbole? No, that's a, that's a very accurate number. Oh, man. Unreal. <laughs> yeah. Um, Did you break out the drone on that shoot? It looked like, I think I saw I shot maybe. the drone about a bajillion hours. And okay. Times. It was, All right. was crazy. We shot what I thought. A ton of drone. Um, so it was something that we yeah, definitely don't put time in. Did you have a, a problem with the amount of heat coming off? Uh, or when you- um, I mean, we melted a sensor or two. We melted a sensor or two. But honestly, if you were flying fast over the volcano, it was fine. If you were just okay. hanging out filming, the heat would get to it. I saw a lot of people melt, like, melt their drones, melt their drones. Luckily, <laughs> you know, we just... But the beauty is like, geez, I mean, if, if there's ever a place to crash, it's in a volcano. Everything's just going to melt back into carbon anyway. So... Yeah. yeah, no kidding, right? Hopefully, it's uploading to the cloud fast enough, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Now that that leads me into kind of I I've wa- I wanted to ask you this question, um, and because I've seen in a lot of your films, uh, like in in uh, Under an Arctic Sky and Cradle yeah. of Storms, and even in Arc of Volusia, there's po- there's points during the film where it looks like shit's really about to go sideways, and you know, when we're showing the film, the audience is gasping and they're like, oh my gosh. And, and you had do such a good job of busting out the camera and thinking about framing and filming and, and getting good angles. And what I want to know is I want to know a story when you put the camera down because you're like, shit really is going sideways. And, and I don't want to film right now. You know, I think that, like, I mean, that I have to give full credit to Ben Wyland for that. I feel like me and Ben work really well. We're all kind of be pointing out as a director with a lot of these projects or as, as like a producer or an EP, I'm kind of trying to point out, like, these are great moments and these are interesting moments. And a lot of times, like, I've, me and Ben have learned from past experiences that, like, man, this is when you do pull out the camera. This is when you need to pull out the camera, when things are tough. And, and we've, we've paid the price in the past for not doing so. If you know what I mean? Like yeah, we've paid yeah. the price being doing something where like we have failed to like capture that moment and we've had to try and recreate it later. And it's never that cool. Sure. You know? So I think, I think that's kind of the, um, that's kind of the, the, the interesting part of the whole thing is like, is like you really need to, to learn to just like pull out the camera and almost point it away from uh, pointed away from what you're seeing and pointed on the faces of people who are experiencing it, right? It's that old thing where like, yeah, the sunset's beautiful, but the light from the sunset on that person's face is way more interesting. And so I think in some way, like that's kind of what we always think about is like, how can we, how can we acknowledge what's going on in that moment by showing the expression? Because we want to connect to humans like that's the that's the biggest bummer is oftentimes we get these surf films and there's there's just no amount of character development there's no amount of human connectivity and i, I kind of hate 
that aspect sometimes, you know, and it, because I feel like we, we, we miss out, we lose sight of that. It's a bummer. Yeah. Well, I thought that was something that was so good about Ark of Volusia is that it really gave you an insight into Harrison and, you know, a little bit about who he was and, and what kind of person he is. And, and I thought the, the juxtaposition between him and Parker is great, you know? Yeah. Fully. Totally Boy. different kind of surfers, totally different oh, kind of people. And- when Harrison's like a very thoughtful, collective ascent, Parker's just like full sand all the time. And, and you, you learn to really appreciate both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Some movies feel like a novel and, and some feel like a poem. And that one was kind of the, the poetry uh, yeah, style yeah. of the story. You, you know? know what I really am? Um, um, you know what I really liked about it? I don't know if you remember, but there was like the, the main kind of collective like surf edit in the feature. Um, when we did Cradle of Storms, that was edited by uh, Surfer Magazine. They took it on, they edited it. And, and it, it, you know, it, it kind of lost some of the like artistic flavor that we had hoped it would have had. Um, so it was really fun to be able to go back to a place, kind of make another film, but then do it in our own style, in our own way. And I really loved uh, how Ben edited together this surf scene where it was like this slow bass heavy music that wasn't, it wasn't meant to pump you up. It wasn't meant to like get you excited. It was kind of meant to be contemplative and and, and mindful and, and thoughtful and kind of just this deep sort of intimate experience, like almost like, like we got, like, I think what it is is when I look at it, I'm like, wow, we got a window of time in this finite kind of, you know, weather, uh, this finite, you know, environment where like we score this tiny little moment. And I feel like that edit kind of shows that, you know, it's just, it's just so contemplative. I really love it. There's a portion of, you know, those, surf movies as a whole that are like really accessible like oh yeah i want to go to indo and surf on a boat and you can do that you can go surf on a boat you can't i mean i suppose you could but you can't always get to alaska and do what you guys did and nor believe it or not do i really even though the waves look really good i I feel like i'm almost like okay i saw ben and chris and harrison do that i think i'm good because that I mean, that looks serious. You guys pulled it off with grace, but I mean, those are all the best shots and it does seem like a tough trip to do. It's almost like, um, watching it definitely a movie are about- tough trips, man. Yeah. You, you, you do some real suffering and that's okay. brutal. Yeah. And sure. that's what I kind of think. Like you watch some people do a mountain climb, uh, like K2 or, you know, I don't know what think of a tough mountain to climb. That's not necessarily Everest or something, but you, you know, you get the point where you're like, Oh, that's amazing. I don't need to go do that. But it was also, um, anyway, so great job on Arc of Volusia. I want to go back to John's question that has to do with that specific moment or two or 10. If you have one or two to share, that'd be great. But like, can you think of anything where you were really on the edge of disaster and you guys had to pull back? Um, I mean, on that trip, not really. You know, I mean, there, there, I feel like that's kind of the thing is like, maybe if this was the first time I had been there and the first experience I had had in a place like that yeah, where, where I'm really like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, this is terrifying, but all, like, I, I think that the reality is that when you, when you spend time in these places like Iceland, for example, and you go there and you have an experience like under an Arctic sky where you have the, the biggest storm in 25 years and yada, yada, yada. I mean, the only reason that happens 
And the only reason you're able to make decisions and kind of get through it is like, well, you've, you've been there before you've been there, you know, 20, 30, 40 times, whatever. And, and my tolerance for risk, um, is so much higher because I've given the time to do that. Um, and I think that that's kind of the key component is like, this is never something I would have done on my first trip there, but having been to Alaska three or four times, like, yeah, like I knew what was capable and we knew it was possible. And I think this is the byproduct of what makes films awesome is like, you get a chance to, um, you get a chance to push oneself and you get a chance to learn things. So you get a chance to like have a really great experience. And I think that, I think that, I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at here is like my, uh, my ability to navigate those challenging situations. It kind of like lessens as, um, as you go there more and more and more. Right. Um, there's always moments where things get hectic and crazy and, you know, you're kind of like begging the guys to go back out for one more session and, you know, they're hypothermic and it's snowing and things are gnarly, but I, I guess I just don't dwell on those moments that much. And I don't, they don't seem that serious or severe. I mean, yeah, like the, some of the guys, um, they got stuck in Dutch Harbor for an extra like five days because the storm moved in, but there wasn't like some cataclysmic, like, oh my gosh, this person got gnarly stitches or blah, blah. But like, it's, you're always on the verge of something scary. Like dudes getting their boards bit by elephant seals out in the water and like, <laughs> out and, you know, you're deciding to stay out there and um, you know, you're, you're watching them with the drone taking gnarly wipeouts, knowing that like one of those wipeouts could be like, absolutely like devastating. Like that could be like the end of the trip, the end of the session. And I think that that's kind of the reality is like, we have those conversations beforehand now being like, Hey, if you know, if you go out there and you paddle out to this wave, it's a mile out to sea or a half mile out to sea. Like this could be it, you know, if something bad goes wrong. So like, maybe pull back a little bit, like, don't go so hard. Like just try to try to be a little more conscious. And, you know, as opposed to maybe my first trip going there for the magazine where I've been like, dude, my career is riding on this. Like we need you to perform blah, blah, blah. And I think that taking that sense of sensibility um, to it and just being aware of it is like pretty crucial. So um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but like there, to be honest, there wasn't like some crazy um, moment where we felt like somebody was going to die. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I thought it was cool at the end, the, um, the, the right slab at the end. Um, Cause I think if I'm not mistaken, that's the one that you surfed before with Alex gray, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So getting to see the, the aerial footage from the drone of that wave was really um, yeah. special. Cause it looks totally different and it looks way more serious like <laughs> from that perspective for sure. Right. And you get, you, it illustrates it in some way a little more, right. A little yeah. more, I think. Yeah. So, which I love. Yeah. Now as, so my, my background um, for any listeners that don't know or remember, I'm a firefighter and do some water rescue stuff out in Indonesia on my off time. And um, so I'm always okay. curious when you guys go on a trip like that, do you guys have like a legit um, documented exit strategy or um like plan, like, okay, if somebody breaks their leg, if somebody gets a significant injury, then we do this, this, and this, it's already, you know, kind of, you know, yeah. Like, I think that, I think that a big part of it is like, we're only, we're really trying to make good conscious decisions before we get out in the water. Cause I think those things usually happen when like the conditions are out of control Mm -hmm. Um, or you're taking risks like, oh man, it's like, it's like heinous weather. We're going to go out anyway, or it's a blizzard or whatever it is. Right. So we're, 
we're trying to kind of have those conversations beforehand. Like this is a safe environment. This is great. You know, blah, blah, blah. Like, how does everybody feel? Like just trying to weigh that out. And then I think actually having drones has really helped because I can now see what's going on in the water. Right. And see what's happening. And like, you know, having that, you know, I've also taken it upon myself to be like, well, I need to have a sat phone. Like I need to, like, we need to have a sat phone or a spot locator with somebody on the trip because in these environments and in these places, um, I mean, where, who are you going to call? Right. Like there's not, um, there's not a, there's not a, a medical, you know, person on the Island. There's not a heli there. Like we would literally have to like click the sat beacon and get picked up. Like that's the only way to get out of there. Sure. Um, so we kind of make those calls. Like we kind of like have those conversations, I think usually, and just before kind of things get to that gnarly point. And then, and then the hope is that you're with people who are all very aware of like, yo, when one of your buddies takes a wave, and it's a, you know, you're, you're surfing a big, heavy slab session. Like you, you look in, you make sure you see them, you know, you look for those hand signals, like a waving hand or a hand on your head or whatever it is. Right. Yep. Um, so I think that's a big kind of part of it. Right. Is just like trying to really make sure that you, uh, that you have people that are looking out for each other. That's kind of, I think where you, but, but I agree. Like there, there have been moments too, where like, we're like, Hey, we're not gonna be able to see you. Like, this is the hand signal we need to know you're safe. This is, you know, and I think the exit strategy is just like, listen, if you, if you take a wave and you don't make it and something bad happens, like we're all going home. Like that's just all there is to it. Right. Yeah. So um, I don't really know how else to like put that lightly. It's not like we, it's just like, we couldn't afford to have like, like that would be the end of the trip. Cause that would be the end of the budget. Right. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of people know what I do for a living, but uh, I'm an accountant and uh, I don't know. How do you handle situations? <laughs> I like, knew it was coming sometime. How do you know? Is, uh, how do you account for situations like the purchase of a new piece of equipment? And, and do you use QuickBooks online or do you? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm kidding, Chris. Um, good, good question, though. <laughs> John, yeah, John's, uh, John's job is way cooler. Like if you had to go into like a second grade class and explain what you're doing, like city slickers. You remember that scene? <laughs> I'm like, oh God, I sell air. Yeah. Now, uh, Chris, do you guys have anybody that's on, on your crew that's medically trained? Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, that's kind of one question that I always put out there into the world is like, has anybody done a, a backcountry like medical certification or anything like that? It's something where I've had like minimal training um, in, in those, in that capacity, just doing a couple things here and a couple things there. Um, it's something I've always wanted to do is like actually take a proper woofer course. Right. And really know my stuff. You know, my experience has just been like <laughs> from boy scouts and like having like medics and, and whatnot, give me training on like, you know, trauma injuries and how to deal with this, how to deal with that. Um, but yeah. like I said, it's like, you really, at a certain point, you really want to know like, okay, well, what, what am I, you know, you're on a boat, you're with a couple of people. You, it's so easy to like put it into somebody else's hands. Like, oh yeah, this boat captain, he'll know what's up. He'll know what to do if like somebody gets a gnarly, you know, uh, you know, jelly, you know, I don't know, jellyfish, you know, sting or whatever, a shark or whatever it is. But it's like, that that's not something we should rely on. And on these trips, that's kind of one of the key components is like, I really want to make sure somebody does, or we have, at least in my mind, a, an awareness of like, who is the best and safest person to go to, to get these answers, right? And sure. it's, it's a matter of, like, Hey, we have cell service. We're good. Or, Hey, we're with a guide who, who is trained and has experience or, Hey, we're with so-and-so or, or, you know, these are going to be situations where I feel like I can, I can manage person. Right. 
Um, so anyway, it's, it's, it all kind of varies, but these are great questions. But these are the things I want people to be thinking about and considering, right? These well, are the yeah, questions I, mean, that, I want kind of like, that, like, that's always the way they, that's always one of the things I look at on trips just because that's what I do for a living. And so I'm always curious. Um, and I know that there's folks that just fly all over this planet and with zero training and just hope for the best. And like, that always terrifies me. So yeah. And, yeah, and for yeah. the for the record, if you ever need a guy, I'm I'm available usually. Need a guy, bro. I mean, <laughs> honestly, there there have been trips, especially on like commercial projects when we're going somewhere and we need like a proper medic or something like that. And an um, accountant. Yeah, yeah, and we can just to keep everything in line. You know, like I don't want to, I don't want to miss out on some of those expenses. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, where are you stationed these days? Oh, I'm in Pismo Beach, California. I'm, uh, I'm my studio's there, and my home is just about three miles away. So that's great. That's what I thought. And the studio, uh, as far as um, having a, a space to show your work, has got to be nice. And or well, that's a, that would be a gallery, but a studio yeah. in the sense that you're working. But you also have a gallery there in town. Yeah, it's it, the gallery is a part of it, and I think a, a big, big piece of the whole thing is like just the ability to have a, a physical space where people can walk in and say hi and like meet us and. Is, is pretty rad. It's a pretty rad thing. It's something that keeps me, gets me stoked. I mean, I love the idea that we can like throw events and we can, we can do stuff like this, you know, like that gets me like really hyped to, and that's the whole reason I always wanted to open a studio in a gallery space is so we could put something back into the community, right. In some way, in some capacity. That's awesome. Yeah. Without, you, uh, go without, ahead, without giving away too many secrets if you uh if you can what's uh what are you currently working on or what's what's coming down the um, pike we're, we're working on a film actually from our iceland bike expedition um the one that we did the winter crossing so we're, we're working on a film okay. from that. that's kind of been something that we've been had our had our minds on and, and we just actually got like a sizzle reel that we're going to put out and try and sell to a couple places um i've got a distributor that i'm going to like put it in their hands and just yeah, that's kind of been something that I've really been trying to um, trying to focus my time on. Uh, you know, in a, a more than that, we have a a handful of other um, of other pieces. So um, so I think that right now it's a bit more focusing on kind of this film and then uh, a couple other little projects we're wrapping up, a couple commercial shoots, but like no big expeditions. Like I feel like I really maxed out last year in terms of large expeditions and. And the last two years, you know, and and um and we've been we've been pretty busy. So we're also doing this Bill Long film as well um, that that we're we're pushing through, and it's going to be really rad. It's going to be, I think, this Bill Long film, the surf film, is, you know, it's a different thing. Like this is just the traditional surf flick where it's it's exciting and it's fun, and it's going to have all the the anecdotes that make those things interesting. But we have like a really cool spin on it. Like we made it more of a narrative doc where we have like so we hired an actor and to come in and work on it. And I don't know, there's just a couple things about it that I'm really excited about. So. Is that your first time working on a narrative format project? Um, no, it's not. But like, I guess one that's like in the surf realm is like really, really cool, you know, because it, it kind of combines like my passions for everything that I, I enjoy doing and everything I love. Right. It's like, it, it, it includes both of those things, which I think is, is rad. Like you have a full blown, epic surf film people shredding and experiencing these places and the beauty but then there's kind of this storytelling that we're doing throughout it that, that blend it's hard to blend the two so when you find a way to do so it feels really unique, really special very yeah, cool when, when's that do 
Um, it's I, I, I honestly don't know when they want to release it, but I envision it'll be in the fall. Cool. Yeah. Uh, we'll be on the lookout for emails and so on and so forth. But if you think about it, you know who to call if you want to put it on the big screen. Heck yeah, man. I'd love to. I'm really bummed that I couldn't make it out there this year and, and just uh, be a part of that kind of whole, that whole experience, man. I'm like, I, it just kills me in some way to like, to not have been there, you know, and it just, just knowing that events are coming back online, like that's the stuff that just gets me so hyped. So I, well, I would, I would agree, or I can understand and sympathize with you because I've got a couple of friends that work in the movie industry as far as camera techs and DPs underwater and all this stuff. And they are so often on the road away from their families that to go and do something like this would be fun because it would be able to, you know, be able to unplug a little bit and enjoy the reaction um, that you've worked so hard to elicit from your audience and do it in person. Um, which is why we try to make a point of flying everybody out. But like, I totally get it too. I mean, how many weeks are you on the road per year these days? And what does that look like for your family? And how many soccer games are you missing and all that stuff? Yeah. You know, luckily these days, not as much, but just to touch on what you said before, like I'll say one thing, like we made this film owner, which is probably one of the most important films I think I've ever made. It really dives into like fatherhood and raising kids and a, complicated world and just trying to manage a creative path while still being a dad and it was so hard because we got into Tribeca and it did really really well won a bunch of festivals but we never had the chance to like celebrate it like I wanted to bring this little girl owner to the big screen and show her that and to not fully have that opportunity to celebrate is is brutal like that's one of the things that just oh, it kills me I want people to be able to experience that and see it and, and celebrate it and as a filmmaker that's like all you can ever hope for so I guess I'm with you. Like I look forward to those things coming back online and I'm so excited to have the opportunity for, for the world to, to be able to join together. Cause these films, these, these books, these, these photos, they were, they were meant to be seen and, and, you know, with, with people and, and, and shared and experienced. And like you mentioned in the beginning of this conversation, the opportunity to like share your own vision, your own story, like that's such a part of it for me. So I applaud what you guys are doing. I really hope I can be a part of it in the future and, and in the world. Awesome. Well, Chris, we thank you so much. And uh, we we thoroughly enjoyed having you here in 2014. And uh, hopefully we'll get you back out here soon. And um, yeah, if that uh, film comes out in the fall, I I can think of nothing better than to to show it here and have you back out uh, then as well. Um, But thanks for taking a few minutes to join us and uh, have a chat. And uh, we love uh, getting this little kind of behind the scenes uh, look for our fans, um, you know, at the, even at the festival, even when the filmmakers are here, you know, there's only so, so many hours in, in an evening and not, you can't talk to everybody. And so this gives everybody a nice little kind of behind the scenes and intimate view into your world and and what you do and your thoughts and processes and stuff. So we really appreciate you uh, being willing to join us and um, yeah, we'll look forward to having you back out. Kevin, you got anything else? Oh, you know, just to say, uh, Chris, we're big fans, man. Keep it up. We're always, you know, we're the wannabes out there of, of this sort of <sighs> photography film world. Oh, yeah. All we you can do the, is You guys are the facilitators, in. man. You're the stoke facilitators. I mean, you know what it's like when you, you bring the people together and I get to benefit from your guys' hard work. I'm so grateful. Honestly, it's, a, it's the biggest thing ever to like be a part of a festival where there's like an engaged crowd that's psyched to be there and it's well done and it celebrates the art. Like I, I, I'll tell you one thing, like I've been to a lot larger, more prestigious festivals that 
where I felt a lot less of an intimacy and a lot less of an experience. And that's, that's one thing that's hard to create. Like you guys have nailed that and I'm just excited to see it grow. And um, yeah, I'm hyped to come back out. Love to do a workshop next time. Love to do some more kind of that Q and a, and hopefully the, uh, the weather gods will be nice and it won't be like a thousand degrees, but um, yeah, I'm grateful. So thank you guys John, so much. John's John's you're welcome. Chris John's fist pumping over here. We need to definitely call it quits. So <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us. What a nice chat we had with Chris, huh, Kevin? Absolutely. Yeah, that was fun. I kind of, you know, missed the guy because I haven't seen him in person since 2014. We had a little correspondence here and there about movies and uh, what he's working on. And he always, you know, seems to post nice things about our festival whenever he sees them, too. So he's just a nice guy and uh, hard worker, huh? He really is. Yeah. And uh, how cool. 43 times to Iceland. Like, how cool is that? I can't believe, like, I honestly thought he was joking. Like, I go, you know, clearly it's a pretty place and everything. I mean, yeah, it's pretty, but, but in his young life, I mean, how old is he? Like 39, 40 or something like that. I, I don't even think he's that old, but yeah. yeah just I don't know. He's amazing. been around the world a few times. So, yeah. But anyways, thanks for uh, joining us. And I uh, just want to say a quick thank you to our sponsors. Um, of course, Monster Energy, our presenting sponsor for the film festival. Um, along with uh, Rourke, Globe, Yeti, Advent Health. I mean, Florida Virtual School, I mean, they've been a huge supporter. They just came back on board. So happy to have them on. And uh, check out our, one of our new sponsors, too, if you're local, uh, Daytona Climbing Gym up in Daytona. Some bouldering, uh, you know, make yourself look good. Get yeah. over there. Yeah, right off of US 1. Um, yeah, it's such a cool place. And, of course, Red Dog Surf Shop, our surf shop sponsor since day one. We, nobody has any idea how much John and I appreciate people voting for us in you know in the way of you know presenting us with a check to say hey go do what you do it just means a lot to us because it helps pay the bills and um, we're obviously uh, you know this you couldn't even call it a second job but we're happy to do it and uh, happy to have you guys listening so uh, tune in in about a month for I mean that's what the timing's working out to be right yeah John? yeah we're, we're we're basically getting into a monthly schedule so uh, you know we had we released the ballroom podcast in uh, June and then yeah Burkhardt will be July so yeah look uh, first week or so of August look for an, another one coming down the pipe sounds good thanks for joining us everybody we'll Cheers. see you next time Cheers.